Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Gentlemen, I am your host, Blake Rafino. This is Are You Serious Sports. We hope that you guys are making it a good one. We know that we are as well. Huge show in store for you tonight. We are guesting it up, baby. We are guesting it up. We got a lot to talk about around your SEC. We get back to it. We skipped out last week because we were out for those days. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, I think what Wednesday too. My days are blurring together on how many days we were out last week. So we're getting back around the SEC. We will go to Athens. We will make the short hour long flight to Athens, Georgia to our good friend Graham Coffey to talk about the Georgia Bulldogs. Can those dogs repeat? I don't think that they can, but we'll see. We'll talk to Graham about it. Is Stetson Bennett going to be the man continued there in Athens? And Arch Manning, is he going to be a Bulldog? We'll talk to him about that uh let's take a look back uh guys something that i really 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 like to do like really 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 like to do um this time of the year is go back and watch a lot of the lsu games from a season ago i think that there's one player that although he had his struggles a season ago um and some of you probably already heard me so talk about this last night But there are a couple of them, but one player in particular defensively and one player in particular offensively that we're going to focus on tonight in the breakdowns that I did of last season and those games and guys that could be very key contributors this upcoming fall. So we'll look into that. And I'm sure Rafino's rants is going to be sparked on that as well. And then, guys, the NBA draft is tomorrow. Um, Making his AYS debut is none other than Aunt Petty Murphy. I don't know how to really say it other than um, I don't think 
there's anybody I would rather want to listen to about speaking the NBA and basketball than Ant Murphy. He's always in the comments. He's always chiming in. So I'm really excited. We'll, we'll try to get to Ant as quickly and focus on the Pels and talk about the NBA draft with him uh, around 7.50. So Graham Coffee at 7.30 and Ant Murphy at 7.50. And, and to all you Rudy Crew members and LSU fans, um, my, buddy, my good buddies, Mike Scarborough and Buddy Sanchi, will be doing their video, uh, doing their show, I mean, uh, right after this at 8 o'clock. So after we're done, go over there to TigerBait.com, LSU Tigers on TigerBait on YouTube. Uh, give them subscribe as well. Uh, watch their show. They're always fantastic. Buddy and Mike are really good at their jobs. Okay, let's get to a couple comments, though, before we get started. Doug No says, ah We are live. That we are. Ken Mallory says, let's get this thing rolling, y'all. Let's get this thing rolling, y'all. <laughs> uh, Lamar Williams says, we applying pressure all summer. Um, pressure, can I hold $40 to tomorrow? Actually, can I borrow $300 and not pay it back? Butler's got bills around this thing, man. This this new studio, all this stuff, it don't come cheap, man. <laughs> I'm just a young, I'm just a young Italian with a dream. Just a young Italian with a dream. Rob Boudreaux says the greatest damn sports football show there is. I appreciate that, Rob. I appreciate that. Rocky says we behind an NIL. Yeah. If you listen to some people. Uh, LGZ says, let's go. It's hump day, baby. What's up, LGZ? Uh, Chris Barnhill says, hashtag ask Blake, who are the leading candidates for the two coaching positions open at LSU Baseball? Really, man, there's not a lot of movement. Um, you know, I, I'll continue to, 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 to hit the table for uh, Christian Ostrander um, as my pitching coach, um, but or as the LSU pitching coach. Um, but, man, it's, it's kind of quiet. And like we've been mentioning and like I've been mentioning, there are a lot of rumblings coming out around Jay Johnson. Um, I say Jay Johnson, but LSU baseball, not Jay in particular, that he wants to get through the MLB draft. He wants to get the recruiting and then hire his staff, which um, I don't know if I necessarily agree with it, but it's how he's going to do it. And look, if you get great, great baseball players to come here, <laughs> there's nothing really I can say about that. I mean, Jay knows what he's doing. Jay knows exactly what he's doing. Chris English says, got to have some recruiting news or going to have some recruiting news soon. I agree with you there. I think it could come tomorrow at 2 p.m. Some of you, it may go over your head, but I'm not gonna. Uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna go over. Um, take the kid's spotlight. How about that? I'm not gonna take the young man's spotlight. C King, where have you been? I mean, C King, bro. Look at him. Look at him out there in Fiji. Look at his profile pic on Facebook. I mean, my man is living in style, y'all. My, my man's living in style, dog. Say, let me hold $300 to the mall. <laughs> uh, what's up, C? He says, y'all better jump on the bandwagon now. LSU football will run the table. Okay. I like that. Uh, BK Takeover, Ryan on YouTube says, I need a pressure NIL deal. Don't we all? Don't we all? Uh, Rick 
on Facebook. What's up, Rick? He says, a lot of O-line offers going out recently. Who's Coach Davis going to land, in your opinion? Um, I'm going to be cautious with that. I think I'm going to ask that question tomorrow. And you'll find out why. You'll find out why. You'll see. You'll see. Uh, Blaine Smith says NBA draft is tomorrow. Yep, we will have Aunt Petty Murphy uh, to join us at 7.50. You got to get Zalance Heard, though, man, from Neville. You got to get Zalance Heard. I, I mean, like, all your chips in the table. Like, if you only have $20 in NIL money you can spend, which isn't true, we would, you know, <laughs> I would be cautious. But, you know... You spend it on Zalance Heard. No question about it. I, I am keeping my eyes, though, on Walker White, quarterback out of Arkansas. I think you should as well. Uh, the Golden Boot Pod. Bro, Pooh Bear and Zach are leaving me hanging. Pooh Bear's like, oh, man, I got to work, support my family, you know. I got to do something. And I'm like, okay, Pooh. <laughs> but Pooh Bear's joining us. What's up, Pooh? What's happening? Uh, Kenny says, hopefully heard from Neville. Yeah, he – all chips in the table. Absolutely every chip in the table. All right. Let's get this thing rolling. Everybody do us a favor by hitting the like and share. If you're listening to us on Facebook, so many of you every single night are listening to us on Facebook. Do us a favor and hit the like and share. Share to some Facebook groups. Share to your own social media pages. I want to be able to click on the shares and see that everybody that watched us shared it. Do us a favor. It's not that it, I, I don't ask for much. <laughs> I don't ask for much. Just hit the like and share. If you're listening to us on YouTube, uh, do us a favor. Hit the subscribe button and notification bell. Share it to Twitter, Facebook, all that great stuff as well. We appreciate it. If you're listening to us on the XM radio or you're listening to us anywhere that you listen to podcasts, rate, review, subscribe, all of that great stuff. And we greatly, greatly appreciate you doing it. So share, share, share. Do your brother a favor. Hit the like and share. All right, let's get this thing rolling, though. Let's pay these bills around here, and then we'll get rolling. None better than our good friends over at GM Vardo and Sons and BetOnline.ag. Be back in a minute. Our partners over at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that the MLB is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series? BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's easy to get started, so head on over to their website. Use BetOnline.ag. Use that promo code BELIEVE. That's B L. E-A-V, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag, betonline.ag. With over 65 years of experience, nobody is better equipped to service in your vehicle than GM Vardo and Sons. RV repair, big rig overhauls, motor chassis, routine maintenance, tire rotations, tire sales. No job is too big or too small over at GM. If you break down the side of the road in the greater Baton Rouge area, they will come and get you. And the best thing about that is that they can come and get you, and then they can bring your vehicle back to their shop and start the repairs right then. Again, GM Varno & Sons, go see them over at 2500 
Fuller Boulevard. Give them a call at 225-664-9992. 225-664-9992. Tell them your good friend, Blake Rafino sent you on by. Chris says that the Pistol Pete statue unveiling on July 25th. Yeah, let's start there. And that's something I didn't mention in the beginning. Uh, obviously, it was our thumbnail when we started the show. Guys, quite honestly, and let's just be for real. Uh, this is well past due with Pete Maravich. Well, well past due with Pete Maravich. Um, you got to give... Scott Woodward, a lot of credit. You got Simone Augustus is getting a statue. That's going up. Number being retired. Um, Pete Maravich, he's got a statue. It's going up. Guys, with all due respect, what took so damn long? Like, to all of the LSU alums, what took, and, and, and boosters, and ADs, and presidents, what took so damn long? I understand that the man's name is literally <laughs> the, the, your, the stadium you play in, the Peach Maravich Assembly Center. But, man, I mean, come on. Look, Pistol Pete, you can look up all the stats. We all know it already. There's nothing that I'm going to say that someone hasn't said a thousand times before me. But Pistol Pete deserves it. Shaq deserved it. Simone deserved it. Joe Burrow will get a statue probably in 2025. I think you got to wait the five years or whatever to, to get the statue. He will get a statue. But you can't be scared to spend money. As, as <laughs> the uh, uh, <laughs> I want to be petty. I am going to be petty. Uh, as the great Billy Napier says, scared money don't make money. Billy Napier's in a little bit of heat, by the way. Billy Napier's cutting players left and right. Cut four of them today, and now Florida fans and LSU fans, everybody's freaking out because Jane Rashada's going to Miami. At least that's what Twitter tells me. I don't know about Jaden Rashada, nor if he goes to Miami, he's not in the SEC. Good luck to the young man. Good luck. Y'all got to relax on this BK thing, man. Y'all got to relax. Rocky says, I run into the message board with everything Blake says today. Well, just be a typical old Tuesday. Wait, is it Wednesday? Be a typical old Wednesday. Uh, Pooh Bear says, if I had the right NIL deal, I could work on podcasts full time. Instead, I'm stuck working the polls for my spare chance. <laughs> oh, God. So great. Uh, Trey Patton says, hashtag ask Blake, what's your opinion on the College World Series final starting on Saturday now? Makes it tough on the loser bracket teams. Well, man, I, I, it doesn't really bother me, man. I mean, what do you need an extra day for? I, I get it, rest, all this kind of stuff. But you're giving the loser bracket teams an advantage when really and truthfully you should be giving the teams that won the advantage. Um, and I'm not sure what the score is uh, on the game right now. Y'all keep us up to date. Keep us up to date on the scores. Um, was it Ole Miss and Arkansas? I was watching it before we came in here, but I didn't pull it up. Here, I'm going to pull it up now so we can watch it. So keep us updated. Keep us updated on all that. Okay, let's talk about this. I know that this will probably spark a Rafino's rants, but I, I, I got to talk about this. I know that we talked about this last night um, in Twitter spaces. It's 1-1 in the bottom of the fourth, Ole Miss and Arkansas. Um I, I, I want to say this. Um, look, 
Everybody do us a favor, too. Everybody, right now, stop what you're doing. Stop. Hit the like and share. Graham Coffee in about 15. Um, let me say this. This time of year, I really, 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 really start watching and going back over and looking through um, all of LSU's games from a season ago. Right? Like the other day, I was watching Florida. Then Arkansas. Today, a lot of Arkansas. I think I watched the Arkansas game, you know, the the clips, the, just pretty much the highlights, probably four or five times. Um, Alabama. Uh, who else did I watch yes, uh, yesterday and today? I, I forget. Um, was it Ole Miss? It might have been Ole Miss. But those were the four games I really focused on. Oh, A&M. I'm sorry. It was A&M, the last game of the season. Guys, there's two players I'm going to point out here that I think could be primed for really big seasons. One of them you won't necessarily notice because that position just doesn't really and truthfully get a lot of praise. You talk about them when they do bad, but you never talk about them when they do good. Let's throw on the offensive side of the ball. Guys, the more and more I watch Anthony Bradford, and I'll, I'll do too, Anthony Bradford and Marlon Martinez play. I understand that you got Tremont Shorts. I get that Miles Frazier is here. I get that Garrett Dellinger is coming back. But, man, if those kids and Jacob Flint is somebody, the strength coach that we talked about a lot, whether it be on this show, spaces, whatever it may be, of how he's getting the team ready to go. Physically, mentally, they look a lot better. They seem a lot healthier. Their bodies are starting to transform the the way that we've seen in such a long time. And, man, when I'm watching Anthony Bradford against Florida, when I'm watching Anthony Bradford or Marlon Martinez against Alabama, and those two guys are legitimately probably not in the position that they deserve or belong or need to be in. And they are moving the pile. See, the biggest misconception, you know, the the funniest thing to me was last year when Ty Davis-Price started picking it up, when Ty Davis-Price started to get the running game going for himself. The biggest lie in all of it was that the offensive line played like crap. Guys, I'm sorry to tell you, but now, but now, that you can take a step back, you probably won't get pissed off at a game, go back and watch it. Those two young men really did good and some really good things. Was the scheme ass? Yes. Was Jake Pete's horrendous? Yes. But guys, I'm sorry to tell you this, but your offensive scheme can't be that bad. And players, you say, oh, well, it's all on the players. Guys, when you know when something's coming, you're going to get dominated. And quite frankly, the NFL told you what they thought of two members, really three, and Chasen Hines, Austin Deculus, and Ed Ingram. Guys, those three guys got drafted. You think they're just making the picks just for the hell of it? Some, some maybe late round, seventh round, whatever. But you've seen Sean Payton go up and trade to get back in the seventh round to take a quarterback that he'll never play or use just so Joe Brady doesn't have him. I'm fully convinced with an average to, to just competent offensive scheme and philosophy, 
LSU wins seven to eight games last year. And I know it's only one more, two more, whatever. Guys, there's no reason that LSU should have lost to Arkansas. The Wildcat formation, what a blunder. What an absolute dumb. And I'm not, it, really, it's not dumb, guys. It's just idiotic. Like the worst you could probably get. And quite, and quite frankly, Ty Davis Price should have caught that snap and gotten the first down. Blocked beautifully, by the way. Blocked beautifully. I don't want to say this again about Ty Davis Price, but the fumble against Alabama when you're about to go about two touchdowns. Guys, killed you. Killed you. He gained, I think, nine, oh, let me check my, oh, here it is. He had gained 19 yards on a run before he fumbled. You were inside the 20, or about to be inside the 20. Multiple passes being broke up. Guys, we talk about Max Johnson. I At this point, say what you want about Max. Say whatever you want. I really don't care anymore. It doesn't bother me. It never did bother me. Jake Peets was the worst offensive coordinator, maybe outside of Les, but at least Les had an identity, and you really couldn't stop what Les was calling. Toss dive, we're going to run it until you stop the shit. So what if it's three plays that he ran? So what? He built a team to be able to run it effectively and wear teams out and run you the F over. That's just the bottom line. You can hate Loveless all the live long day, but Les was the Les's teams were going to take it to you. They were going to take it to you. And you had a guy that had 27 touchdowns. You better be careful. So the two guys that I think that in the film that I just continued to watch, man, if Anthony Bradford can, and Jacob Flint can do his magic on Anthony Bradford, guys, I, it is of my opinion that you could see this kid absolutely erupt and come out to the scene like nobody else. I don't know so much about Marlon Martinez, but Anthony Bradford moved dudes out of the way. Go watch Florida. Guys, it is not easy to move a 330-pound 300, man. It's not easy to be his size at 365 pounds and run down a linebacker. He's not going to play at 360. He's just not. He's just not. Another one, and let's move over to the defensive side of the ball. I could and should and want to very badly say Mike Jones. But I'm not going to do that. Last night, and, or yesterday around 4.30, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, as I'm watching it before we get, we're getting ready for the show, and I'm sitting here watching the game, and I'm watching these highlights. Guys, if you go back and watch, Jay Ward, my God, I'll give you Florida. I'll give you the Hail Mary. Guys, he tried to catch the ball. He tried to intercept it. Receiver jumped in front of him, whatever. If you go and watch that play, Dwight McLaughlin just gave up. Pig Cage gave up. Cordell Flight was standing there with his hands on his hips. The only person actually trying to do something, and really and truthfully, Jay Ward was doing exactly what he should have been doing, at ball at attacking the ball that's in the air, the guys in front of him batting it down or attempting to bat it down. 
Guys, Jay Ward had multiple interceptions, multiple tackles in the open field against Alabama, Arkansas, Ole Miss. Or was it Ole Miss? No, A&M, excuse me. Guys, that if Jay Ward wasn't there, you're in big-time trouble. And if that young man who's going to be playing safety for the second t- for second year in a row, and we saw what he did in the spring game against guys like John Emery, watch out. See, the, the funny thing is it's twofold for me at this point. When I watch Jay Ward, and he's the last line of the fence, and he makes an open field tackle on a kid that was drafted, what, 14th in Jamison Williams. When he's making open tackles against John Mechie in the open field with nobody around him, and he's literally the last line of defense. When I see him going up against Florida and knocking Damian Pierce's mouthpiece out multiple times, I will live a little bit with a missed tackle that he had. Does Jay need to get better in the open field and better angles and things like that? Yes. That's not his position, though. That's not what Jay excels at. Go watch when Jay Ward played free safety and was able to roam around the field. You know what it looked like? Interceptions. Don't let some of those blown coverages fool you. He wasn't the one blowing them. It's interesting to me, man. If that young man can build on the season in the 69 tackles that he had a season ago and continue to get interceptions because the kid's going to find the football, man. If you watch, go watch the Florida game again. Go watch the Arkansas game again. Go watch the Alabama game again and put a tally every time you see number five around the ball and in your screen or making a tackle. Guys, it will will blow your absolute mind. It will blow your mind. Does he got to get better in some areas? Sure. Sure. Absolutely. That's where I sit, man. In reference to it being twofold, in reference to it being twofold, you have a lot of talent. Man, quite honestly, I... I sit here and I watch and I watch and I watch and I watch and I'm thinking, good God, man. How much more talent do you really freaking need? I mean, sure, you would want more. Guys, if this t- if Brian Kelly can find a way, if Brian Kelly can find a way to get some of these guys that are inexperienced on the offensive side of the ball, some of the guys that are unexperienced in the SEC, what... Guys, there's no reason that they can't have nine wins. But the lack of inexperience in the SEC on the offensive side of the ball does worry me. All right. Let's get to a couple of these comments. Uh, Graham Coffey, in two minutes, we'll go over to Athens and we'll talk some Georgia Bulldogs and we'll continue to talk the SEC. Chris Barnhill says 2-1, Arkansas, top of the five, top of five. Um, Chris English says, Ho, Mike Jones! Jones. Yeah, I could have picked Mike, but I'm going to stay with Jay Ward. I'm going to stay with Jay Ward. Blaine Smith says Max would have been much better with Denbrock this season, and I agree with that. 
I fully agree with that. Guys, you can't – the funniest thing to me is when we say Jake Peets, LSU's former offensive coordinator, was – and I'm quoting most of you in these Twitter spaces – one person in particular saying he was ass water. That person was me. And Max Johnson having 27 touchdowns. You can make fun of Max Johnson all you want. Noodle arm. This, that, and the third. Whatever you want to call him. In 13 starts in his career, he has 37 touchdowns. Let me repeat that. In 13 career starts, which would be a full season without making the playoff, the young man has 37 touchdowns and only eight interceptions. Sign me up. Guys, if if you told me right now that Miles Brennan, uh, Garrett Nussmeyer, Jane Daniels, any one of those three quarterbacks would have 37 touchdowns and eight interceptions, I would sign the contract in blood. I would sign it in blood. All right, two more, and then we're going to get to Graham Coffee. Uh, Golden Boot Pod. Says, hey, remember that time Dr. Jack Marucci called the running plays <laughs> and ran the ball 40 times against Florida? I do. I'm old enough to remember that. I'm old enough to remember. LG says, Jay just needs more consistently in tackling. Dude is a baller. Also says, Jay just needs consistency. Dude is a baller. It's the same comment. And yes. Uh, Pierce Lee says, that's an irrelevant pause, Blake. <laughs> oh, Aunt Marshall, who's coming up at 750. Since the new strength coach, the new strength and conditioning coach is going to help Jay's game a lot. I agree with that. Looks a lot bigger. Looks a lot bigger. Put on some weight. Okay, let's go to Athens. With the first pick in the AYS Georgia draft, we're going to Athens to talk to Graham Coffee. But first, we have to go and pay these bills so, guys, I can keep these goddamn lights on. It's an arm and a leg to keep a, for a light bill, dude. It's insane. It's insane. But let's talk about our good friends over at Grant Co., my good friend Carol Falls over at State Farm. Guys, with the inflation, with gas prices, with your mortgage, everything going up, you need to call my good friend Carol Falls at State Farm. Let him lower your insurance rates. What is a phone call going to hurt you? The worst thing he can tell you is, I can't help you. But you need to give them a call today. But let's pay these bills. Our friends over at Grand Co., my good friend Carol Falls over at State Farm. Guys, we'll be back in a minute and 30 with Graham Coffee. Guys, I've got to talk to you about our good friends over at Graham Co. They are the Delta company based out of the state of Florida. They're founded by college football junkies just like you and I, and I am not sure if you're familiar with Delta 8, but you need to be. Graham Co. is the absolute leader in this field, and they have phenomenal products that I just need to tell you about. First off is the Wake and Bake Coffee that is absolutely spectacular. The gummies are as well as they're the best in the market. So go to thegramco.com right now and use the promo code AYS25. That's thegramco.com, AYS25 promo code to get 25% off of your order. Jump on this fast as it is perfect for holidays, anniversaries, and everyday use. Gramco is hemp-derived and completely legal inside of the state of Louisiana. No medical card is needed, and shipping is very discreet. You must be 21 years older to order. Again, that's thegramco.com. Use that promo code, AYS25. Guys, you might know my good friend Carol Falls and all the great service that he provides over at State Farm. He is your good neighbor after all. But did you know State Farm has surprisingly great rates as well? 
Along with a great neighbor service, State Farm agent Carol Falls has surprisingly great rates for everyone inside the state of Louisiana. So call him today at 985-395-4300, 985-395-4300 for all of those surprisingly great rates on auto, home, and life insurance needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there and individual premiums will vary by customer. All applicants subject to the State Farm underwriting requirements. We're back. All righty. Welcome back to the show, Graham Coffee. Uh, can you hear me? Hold on, Blake. I can't hear you. <laughs> okay. Guys in the comments, let me know if you can hear me. Maybe it's just me. Can you hear me now? Uh-oh. There we go. There we go. Okay. Can you hear me now? I got you. I got All right. You. Awesome. I played the um, Graham Coffee's our guest. <laughs> you got to love technology. I played I the uh, uh, Sam Ellinger, we're back. It's not because of Georgia, though. I promise you. We play it every That's time okay. we come out of a commercial break, Graham. I just got to let you know that. But, my man, what's happening? How have you been? It's been a long time. Good, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good to see you. Thanks for having me on. Well, look, we've been going around the SEC, and we want to go to Athens. Okay, we, we've been to Arkansas. We've been to Bama. We've been to South Carolina. Now we're going back down to Athens. Graham, I got to ask you, the number one question that everybody wants to know, when is Arch Manning committing to the Georgia Bulldogs? Man, that is a good question. Uh, you know, there was some buzz a month or two ago that we wouldn't see him until, you know, probably after his senior season. He did an interview, one of the few interviews he's ever done, talking about, hey, I want to see – how Sark does in year two, and I'm going to see what, you know, these teams do here and there. And then he comes off this Texas visit, and there's a little bit of whispers that, hey, maybe we'll see something before the end of the summer. I think if you're a Georgia fan and it turns out he's committing before the end of the summer, that's good news just because I think there's far less question marks around Kirby Smart's program right now than there is Steve Sarkeesian's. Uh, man, I, I still think that Georgia has the lead here, but uh, it's tough, you know, no official visit ever goes bad. And, of course, he was in, in Austin last right. weekend. And so there's a lot of enthusiasm and excitement there from Texas folks, as there should be. But Georgia has been kind of the, the most consistent force throughout this recruitment. I think if UGA didn't chase Caleb Williams in the transfer portal after the national title game, he's probably committed to UGA at this point now. So I think if you're a Georgia fan, you can still feel good. But uh, – it's tough, man. There's just there's not much information coming out of that camp. Obviously, they've kept things pretty tight-lipped down there. So mm -hmm. anyone that says they know everything that's going on there or, or even you know has an idea of when exactly he's going to commit, I think is, is maybe uh, exaggerating the truth a little bit. I agree with that, Graham. And we live here. You know, we saw him, I think, what was it, last week at the LSU 7-on-7 camp and you know, the buzz was, you know, everybody was talking about him and, and that. And it was just like, man, the kid doesn't even know where he's going yet. Why do you know? Uh, are you, Graham, though, and, and look, I want to get to on the field with Georgia because Arch Manning's not playing next year, so it doesn't really – it's a little irrelevant, but it is Arch Manning. Um, are you a little surprised, though? Because, look, Kirby has been um, – What's the word I'm looking for? I, I don't want to say gotten a lot of heat for the offense and what the offense has done in Georgia, but he has a little bit, right? Like very yeah. pro style, very conservative. 
But then all of a sudden you win a national title. Arch Manning's trending to Georgia. Are you surprised, though, that Georgia is what some people believe the top, the top of that leaderboard for him? And is it maybe Todd Munkin that is swaying this with the pro style uh, and the pro style things that they do at Georgia? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think the, the greatest testament to Todd Munkin is what he did with Stetson Bennett last year. Agreed. Uh, formationally they did a ton of things to disguise tendencies and and really confuse defenses and defensive coordinators so i think he deserves a ton of credit going back to what he did at oklahoma state and at the tampa bay bucks with Jameis winston and you know his track record speaks for itself i think the name that probably a lot of people outside of uga circles don't know very well that has been really key in this recruitment is buster faulkner and he was down at Southern Miss once upon a time. He yep. was the OC there. Uh, has a relationship. You know, he's a South Mississippi, South Louisiana guy. And so he has a relationship with the Mannings that goes back, I think, a lot further than a lot of folks realize. Um, Matt Luke as well. Obviously, there's the Ole Miss tie with with Archie and Eli and, and, and Cooper as well, who went to school there. Um, he's not, obviously, on the staff at UGA anymore, but I think he's still doing a little work for Georgia behind the scenes on this deal. So the the thing I think for Georgia is you, you hear a lot about Arch having a good relationship with Steve Sarkeesian, and I, I have no reason to believe that's not true. But I think when you look at what's going on with the staff in Athens, there's a few strong relationships there. I don't think it totally hinges on one guy. But uh, some folks may, you know, I, there's been buzz for a while that we'll see an extension for Todd Mockin before the season starts. And I think if that happens, that's maybe another good indicator that he's found the quarterback that he wants to coach for the next few years, and that's enough to keep him in college instead of going back to the NFL ranks. It would be huge, and I'm assuming Todd is involved in that all the way. And look, there's not a lot of offensive coordinators in college that have that NFL experience like Todd Munkin does, so I think it would be very interesting. Uh, one thing, though, um, uh, before we get on the field for this upcoming season with Georgia, I want to talk to you about Cortez Hankton, obviously LSU, new LSU wide receivers coach. Uh, what can you – I mean, we look. <laughs> Louisiana people know a lot about Cortez. You can't be from the state of Louisiana, recruit the way that he does, win a national title elsewhere, and you don't keep up with him. But we don't – we didn't follow the day-to-day -day at Georgia. You know, we saw the big games, Jermaine Burton – uh, we, we saw all of that, but what can you tell LSU fans, though, on the field about Cortez Hankton and what they should expect? I think the last year at Georgia got kind of interesting because you have to remember Todd Monken was a wide receivers coach before he ever became an offensive coordinator. And so I think he had a way that he wanted things done. I'm not sure that him and Hankton always saw eye to eye. That doesn't necessarily mean one's right, one's wrong, but um, – I think for Georgia fans, there were times where they felt like uh, the recruiting was good and they would get a guy on campus and they didn't see him maybe develop as a route runner the way that, that they had hoped. Uh, you saw a lot of Georgia wide receivers go and work with uh, Terrence Edwards in the offseason and a right. former UGA receiver who runs uh, his own receiver kind of academy there. I think if I was an LSU fan, that might be my major concern is just – what happens development-wise. Um, but if you look at that wide receiver core last year from game one versus Clemson to all the way through, you had guys that no one ever thought was going to be on the field making significant contributions. Lad McConkey and 
Uh, A.D. Mitchell was a, you know, first-year kid on campus. And so I think that is a credit to the depth that he was able to assemble in Athens. Uh, you watched kind of throughout the year, like, the, the downfield blocking and the blocking on the perimeter by the receivers improved greatly. So I think maybe the plus for him, if I was kind of grading him, is from week one to, to week 15, he did a lot to improve that group. But maybe the question would be why, you know, why weren't some of those things happening from the start of the season, right? That is very interesting. And look, he obviously didn't have his number one receiver that was on the field a lot. In or George two, Pitt. yeah. I mean, right. Burton was never healthy. Kyrus Jackson was never healthy. The top, really the starting guys that you thought were going to be the first rotation, none of them were ever fully healthy last year so. I mean, it, there wasn't really a time that Jermaine Burton and George Pickens ever really saw time together, right? I mean, I don't ever remember just because of injury. Until the natty, yeah, really. Right. Um, and, I mean, Pickens was on a, a snap restriction. I think he had 12 routes run in that entire <laughs> game. But he made them count, right? But, right, um, he did. He did. Hey, it doesn't matter. I mean, if you make them count, you make them count. Uh, Graham Coffee's our guest. We'll let you know where you can catch all of his stuff, and you you follow him on Twitter and all that great stuff as well. Uh, Graham, let's get on the field. Obviously, the best defense that we've seen in a long time was in Athens a season ago. You're replacing a lot. You're replacing the big mountain in the middle. You're replacing Davis at linebacker. But, man, Kirby has recruited very well on the defensive side of the ball. Um what should we expect, though, from Kirby? What is this defense going to just reload, or is there going to be some rebuilding? We've seen him do obviously do it with Nick and Alabama, but has he built this team to reload on the defensive side? Yeah, I think talent-wise they reload. I mean, that front seven last year was so special that it allowed them <laughs> right. to do some things schematically that that really you know aren't the norm for a Kirby Smart defense or for for any college football defense for that matter. And that really allowed them to protect the secondary. Uh, Ringo obviously had the big pick six to end the season, but he struggled at times. The reality, though, was just nobody ever really had to to worry about him that much because no quarterback was getting enough time for somebody to get behind him. So I think that's the question for Georgia Moore is uh, you're probably going to see less five, six-man rushes and – more more measures taken to kind of keep things steady on the back end, probably more kind of cover two, cover three concepts on the back end. And so who steps up on the front side to be able to to really rush the passer and, and kind of create pressure to protect the those young guys in the secondary? Chris Smith comes back at free safety – or I'm sorry, at strong safety, but lots of questions besides him and Ringo. You don't really know who the other safety is going to be who's going to play slot corner, who's going to play that other boundary corner spot. So I think that's the big question. Everyone looks at where the guys were drafted from and assumes the, the drop-off comes in the front seven. But looking at what's been recruited there and kind of some of the rotation guys from last season, I don't think you have as many issues there. Like, Georgia's not going to get gashed on the ground. That's not happening. But, like, you look at that Mississippi State game on the schedule, right? Like, that one I think probably scares you a little bit if you're a Georgia fan. I just – that schedule for Georgia lines up so favorably right now. I don't know who's really going to, like, make them strain from a, from a passing attack standpoint until you get to maybe November or December. So, that's, that's sort of the question is I don't know that we'll know anything of 
substance even from that Oregon game with, with what they have coming back. Yeah, that's really interesting. Obviously, you're playing Oregon. You're playing your former D.C. in his first ever game. You know, I think that that's all – you know, college football gives us that stuff. And, look, let's see. You know, does your D.C. leaving? How do you adjust? I mean, he knows them really well. Uh, he knows you better than you know his team, right? But, but Bo Nix – you know Bo Nix. And <laughs> so, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that goes. Graham Coffey joining us. A couple more, Graham. Look, uh, obviously, i got to go to the mailman. Uh, and talk about Stetson Bennett. Now, I've been a defender of the mailman, okay? Uh-huh. Look, there's a difference, in my opinion, in being a really good college quarterback and being an NFL prospect. And I just think that Stetson is just a really damn good college quarterback. He makes right decisions. He gets out of the pocket. He runs when he needs to. He gets down. He stays upright. But he's got a lot of talent behind him. Is Am I, am I supposed to believe what I hear from some that he has a very short leash in this offense after coming off a national title run? I think that depends on how fall camp goes and how Carson Beck looks. Uh, Carson Beck looked really good in the spring game. He did. Uh, and he, you know, you could see some some very, like, substantial improvement from that time a year ago, from, from spring 2020 to spring 20 – or, I'm sorry, to 2022. Like, very big difference. He looks like he's – getting through progression, seeing the field. He has more of an arm than Stetson does. I don't think anybody would argue that. But Stetson kind of just has that, like, thing, right, where when a game gets sort of stressful and you really need a a clean possession and to go score a touchdown, he always seems to do it. And that's something that you can't really measure in fall camp. So I I wouldn't say he has a short leash by any means. I think – that offensive line is going to probably be the strongest unit on the team. Uh, that tight end room is insane with Gilbert, Bowers, Darnell Washington. There's a ton of receiving talent. The running backs are good. So I think Stetson has been mislabeled at times as like a game manager. He's not. Like, honestly, I think there's times where Georgia would like for him to dial it back because he'll kind of just like have a, a couple <laughs> YOLO plays, a half. A- SEC championship game, right? Yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, even against Michigan, you're up, like, three touchdowns in the second half, and he's he's throwing across his body in the <laughs> triple coverage. Yeah, and it's like, whoa, you know. And I think sometimes he presses and tries to make those plays. And if he does that, then I could see him ending up being replaced at some point. But if he plays point guard, he'll be fine. And I think that's really all he needs to do for Georgia to, to get back to where they want to be in December and January probably. I did want to ask you about Eric Gilbert very quickly before we get to these yep. fan questions. How's his progression going? Obviously, people at LSU know a lot about Eric Gilbert. Some of the things that happened off the field, but I don't want to go into that. You know, let's let the man progress. Um, how's his offseason going so far? Really well, by all accounts. Um, you know, I think the best thing that ever happened to him was just, you know, him and his family and, and Georgia staff making that decision to say, we're not going to worry about you playing football in 2021. We're going to worry about you, you know, uh, going to school and, and just having good, healthy life habits, right? right. And it seems like all of that is carried over. I mean, that, that spring game performance that he put out was – was really like tantalizing, I think, for for all Georgia fans and for just football fans that want to see a unique talent. Uh, you re- you think about the fact that apparently at the start of spring practice he was almost three hundred pounds, uh, and so he's out there on G day at two eighty, 
catching a couple touchdown passes and beasting folks over the middle. And it's like, well, what's going to happen with, you know, another six months of conditioning and, and all of that good stuff between that day and, you know, between him being 300 pounds in the start of the season. So I, I think everyone's excited about him. Um, I, I do think like from all that I've heard, you can count on him playing football for Georgia this year. I'd be very surprised if he's not. Uh, I, I don't know that Georgia really has to like force him into being a 14 target a game kind of guy right off the right. bat. Right. I, right. I think they can kind of let him ease into the process and probably still be winning games comfortably. But it's one of those things where when it comes to facing a, an Alabama or, you know, a, a potential playoff scenario or SEC championship game scenario, it's like he's the mismatch, right? And so – He is. Yeah. And so, I mean, you, you give him a, a full off season and then a full kind of season of, of weekly practices to get into prime conditioning, it could be the X factor for them come the end of the season. Now, I know you mentioned McIntosh, but LG says, hashtag ask Graham, what are your expectations for McIntosh this year? I think he's the number one back uh, for sure. Um, Agreed. And, and I don't think that's anything to do with Kendall Milton's uh, kind of injury issues in the past. What he does as a running back, I think I was someone that was critical of him, or maybe not just him, but some of the situations that he was used in. His first couple years, you would see him in the game sometimes on third and short, and I just was like, he's not that guy. And then all of a sudden, come November of last year, it's third and short, he's getting hit two yards short of the sticks, and he's moving piles, right? And it's right. Like, well, all of a sudden, you kind of couple that power with the speed and agility that we already knew was there, and you've got something special. I think the the biggest thing about him is that he runs routes like a, like a slot receiver. He does. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's like when he's in the game, he's hardly ever, you know, in there to, to pass block. Like, if he's in the game on a passing down, nine times out of ten, he's going out for a pass. And so you look at what Georgia did with James Cook last year and you feel like they can do some of those things with McIntosh and probably a little bit more in terms of working over the middle. Cook was more, you know, fly routes down the sidelines once every couple games, and that was something that hit for Georgia a few times. But I think he could have a really special season. Georgia's always going to rotate backs, but, like, between receiving yardage and rushing yardage, I'd honestly be surprised if he doesn't eclipse 1,000 yards next season. I Look, and if that if your offensive line is your best unit and you get him going, it could be dangerous. Uh, Graham Coffey was our guest. Graham, fantastic man. I, I love bringing you on. You're always a wealth of knowledge. Tell everybody where they can catch all your stuff and everything that you're doing. Absolutely, yeah. You can follow me on Twitter at uh, Dog Out West, and uh, we just started a, a new website called DogCentral.com. Come check it out. Uh, we've got some some great free articles. Awesome. Uh, awesome forums, lots of great intel. It's myself and about a dozen other EGA content creators, so tons of content. And uh, you can get six months for $33.18. Don't know if you can do better than that. So, yeah. <laughs> it's a really good number, 66.18, man. You got to love yeah, there that. There you go, right? You got to totally. love it. All right, man. Well, thank you so much, and we'll bring you on before the season starts. And I'm looking to talking to you again soon. Absolutely, Blake. Always a pleasure. Thanks, man. You too. That's Graham Coffee. Uh, always fantastic, man.
wealth of knowledge, everything he knows and everything he does for Georgia athletics and Georgia football, fantastic. And I'm looking forward to seeing, man, that was crazy about Eric Gilbert, 300 pounds. I mean, he's like Chris Honeybun Brumfield or Lee, whatever he calls himself out there. Could you imagine Chris running routes? Much. <laughs> Never mind, I ain't going to say it. I ain't going to say it. But we do have the Petty Man coming up next. We got Ant Petty Marshall. We're going to talk the NBA. We're going to talk the Pels. We're going to talk the draft uh, with him in just a quick moment. Let's pay these bills very quickly. Ant Marshall, right around the corner to talk some Pels. By the Drake Williams Law Firm, drakewilliamslawfirm.com. Whether you've been injured in an accident, you're preparing for a future with your estate planning, you're getting ready to close in on a real estate deal, or you're about to welcome a new addition through adoption into your family, or you're facing criminal charges, you need very experienced attorneys, and that is what the Drake Williams Law Firm will be able to do for you in navigating the legal system. The door to their cozy office in historic downtown Ponchatoula has been open since 1981. They have helped thousands and thousands of Louisiana families and individuals win cases, close on real estate deals, and regain that peace of mind. Their lawyers over at the Drake Williams Law Firm, Ernie Drake III, Ryan J. Williams, and Summer Vicnair are very determined, compassionate, and dedicated to their craft. It's the Drake Williams Law Firm, drakewilliamslawfirm.com. Give them a call today at 985-386-7600. Tell them your good friend Blake Rafino at AYS sent you on by. He is the pettiest man in the 318. His AYS debut. Give him a round of applause, ladies and gentlemen. Wait a second. Wait a second. Did you go get a fresh line before the show? Nah, bro. <laughs> I, you know, I got I to gotta stay with the fresh line, man. I, I hear you. You're a new married man. Look, I, I know the trials and tribulations it takes to stay on top. And what's happening, man? It's, How hard, it's hard work, but somebody got to do it. Man. <laughs> Very true. You heard that, woman? Anyway, don't tell her I said that. All right, Aunt Marshall's our guest. Aunt, I, you know, look, we we have about six, seven, eight, nine, ten minutes. Uh, and I, look, I, I said this in the beginning of the show, and I truly do believe this in my heart, in my mind. There's not really any. I can sit and watch and listen to a podcast of you talking NBA and basketball. You're really great at it. Um, but let's talk about the Pels. Let's talk about the draft. We'll talk some LSU guys. We'll talk the Pels. Um, and are you like me? And do you feel like for the first time in the NBA draft, the Pels just have so many options. They can trade up. They can trade back. They can make a selection. They can make a selection and trade. There's so many things they could do. It just feels as if that we're always sitting here at the draft like, oh, shit, we got the first pick. We got to pick Fat Zion. Just joking. Don't leave. Don't leave. In all seriousness, though, we got to pick Zion or Anthony Davis or whoever it may be. Is this the first time you can remember that they have actually just have options here in the draft? Yeah, for first time in a long time, if ever. Um, I think that just goes to show like the work that David Griffin's done building this team. They don't really have a weakness right now. You know, they don't have a, a particular area of need, so they're really at a situation where they can draft. You know, the best player available. Cliche. You know, they can really just sit there and whoever falls to them just they have the luxury of drafting a guy who can play right away great you know if not if he needs to develop and sit for a year then you know they have the luxury of being able to kind of stash him on the end of the bench and give him time to work his way in the roster kind of like golden state they like they've done with their last couple picks so 
it's been a while since they've been in this position. You know what's funny to me is when you say that, I, I'm old enough to remember when people wanted David Griffin to be fired. <laughs> I, I'm old enough to remember when in the middle of the season they wanted David Griffin to be fired because of the Zion stuff, right? Yep. And now all of a sudden, oh, man, we got too many pieces. Look, I, I think that – and look, you can say whatever you want about LeBron – LeBron did give a lot of kudos to David Griffin when they were in Cleveland. Like, look, if I asked, he would move heaven and earth to do what I would want him to do, and sometimes he could do it, sometimes he couldn't. I think that this is a David Griffin revenge tour at this point, right? Like, yeah. go I ahead. Think, I, I think uh, last last offseason, I think he did make some mistakes. Uh, the coach and hire, Stan Van Gundy, um, <laughs> you know, trading. God, trading that was so bad. The, the fit of Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams wasn't the right fit. And he kind of, you know, owned up to that the following offseason and got rid of Van Gundy, Eric Bledsoe, and Steven Adams. You know, you might not have liked what it took to get rid of Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams giving up a first-round pick, but you can't argue with the results. You know, he got CJ. He got Jonas Valanciunas. He's got a better coach now in Willie Green. So, yeah, he, he, he made a mistake, but in fixing his mistake, he put the team better off than they were before. Do you think now, with hindsight being 2020, that these guys were kind of placeholders to be able to make moves to get where they're at right now? I don't think originally uh, Bledsoe and Steven Adams were, but I think after he saw the fit, he, he knew that they were still good enough in some people's eyes to where he could get you know value in return from it. And he did that in a sense, you know, getting Valanciunas um, for Steven Adams. You know, um, and the Lonzo Ball trade also. At the time, he got killed for the return that they got for the, you know, Lonzo Ball. And they just getting Sadoransky, Garrett Temple. But you flip Sadoransky along with Josh Hart for CJ McCollum, and that looks totally different. So I think he's done a great job. Uh, and who do you think that they're picking tomorrow? Is there anybody that you want them to pick? Uh, I got a couple guys. Um, Cause you know we're at eight, it all kind of depends on who goes in front of you. Um, I think there's a consensus top four in the draft. You know, you got the Jabari, Chet, Paolo, and Jaden, Jaden Ivey. They're all you know consensus number four. After that, you got Keegan Murray, Dyson Daniels, uh, Ben Matherin, Shaden Sharp. I think those are the next four guys. I'd take either one of them. Shaden Sharp is the one who's the biggest mystery. He didn't play last year for Kentucky. He uh, reclassified, was eligible to play, but decided not to. So we haven't seen him against the, the high elite level competition, but his upside is ridiculous. Um, Dyson Daniels is kind of like the Lonzo Ball guy we were just talking about. That bigger body can handle the ball, great defender. Uh, ben Matherin is that three and D type of guy who is pretty much Arizona's number one option offensively. So he's got a little more scoring, scoring ability. Then um, I think some of the other guys like AJ Griffin from Duke, but um, I think. Man, any one of those four would be pretty good for us. And if we decide to trade back, a guy like A.J. Griffin or um, Shohan from Baylor, I think would be good picks also for their defense. I'm going to ask a very petty question, but not really a petty question. Uh, if the Pelicans do move back and you're sitting 13-14, do you take uh, 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 Tari Eason if he's there? Um. I don't know if he would be the first guy on their board if they do trade back, but I think he would be in their top three or four if they trade back to that range just because I think they're looking for a guy who's good defensively and a guy who can kind of stretch the floor a little bit. And Tari has shown that he can, you know, hit, hit a three at a consistent rate. And only thing I think he really he needs to get you know more consistent with his left hand off the ball. 
Um, but I think that's something that you can work on since they have the luxury of kind of letting him develop. But I think he's definitely going to go in that 13 to 17 range. And I think he's going to end up being a, a solid pro once he, you know, works on some of those things. All right, two more, and then we'll get you out of here, And I love I, – I seriously could listen, sit here and listen to you all night doing it, talking about it. Um, who do you think is going number one overall? If it were me – if if I gave you the powers that be and I said, Ant, you have the number one overall pick, who are you taking? If I'm the Orlando Magic? Yes. I'm taking Jabari Smith. Agreed. Um, I think he I think he's he's more versatile than uh pa- Paolo or, or um, Chet is and I think he fits with what they got. He can play the 3 or the 4, he can stretch the floor. He's better off the ball than um than Chet is and he's a better shooter than uh Paolo is. So I think he's he's kind of the, the best of both worlds between those two guys. I lied, two more. Um, is there a, who is the biggest sleeper in your mind in this draft? You know, there's always that one guy, whether it be football, baseball, maybe not always basketball, but is there one guy that if if the if the Saints if the Pelicans drafted him and found a way, and you're like, hey, bro, this dude can just flat out ball? Is there anybody that you're keeping your eye on? I think that guy is AJ Griffin. Um, I think if he didn't have the injury the concerns that he has and the injury history that he had, I think he would be a top six five six guy in the draft but i think some of those injury concerns kind of dropped him but i mean he shoots over 40 percent from three he plays defense he's got a big frame you know he's he's what you want in a, a three and d wing at the next level but i think though that injury history is one of the only reasons he's dropping it i think if, if he is able to stay healthy at the next level i think he's going to look back and, and be one of those guys who was a steal ant marshall from the golden boot podcast Speaking of that, the Golden Boot Pod said also hashtag Ask Ant, who is your favorite Golden Booter, and why is it not Daniel or Chris? Well, um, no comment on Chris. That's my <laughs> dog, so I'm gonna leave him out of it. But uh, Daniel, man, Daniel, I always think he can come at me, bro. I don't, you know. <laughs> it's and, golden. And- it is golden. When y'all are going at it, you got to admit it's pretty golden. But my I mean, it's, God, it's, it's great. It's great content. But sometimes he can't believe what he what comes out of <laughs> his mouth. He got to he got to just be saying that just for the show, just, just to, you know, for the sake of arguing. Oh God, Danny Girl says my favorite golden booter is Daniel. He is heads and tails above the rest. <laughs> y'all leave that man alone. He's not here to defend himself. All right, Aunt. Listen, I am going to beat the table. For you to do your own Pels podcast. I know you don't have the time. I know you'd have to do it at 12 at night every night just to get one in. But nevertheless, you need to do it. And thank you so much. Thank you for your debut. You're running out of time. We're running out of time here. But thank you so much, man. We're going to have to bring you back and talk more Pels in this in yeah, this draft. Anytime, man. Anytime. You know, I'm always down to talk a little Bob. Awesome. All right, that's Aunt Penny Marshall. Guys, we are leaving. We are going to call it a night. Go to TigerBait.com. Go to LSU Tigers on TigerBait. Mike Scarborough and Buddy Sanji are going to be doing their show now. We'll see you guys again soon. Y'all have a good night. Peace out, Girl Scouts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.